0: Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be here trying to keep you posted on local business, interesting angles, alternative viewpoints. Business is, you know, it just seems a little slower. I've been on Mangrove Avenue with my office there for 32 years and over 32 years. Ever since, uh, the, uh, the thing that happened in 2020, everything's just a little slower. My next door neighbor is a business you would probably know, but they don't open on Sundays anymore. So I know they were open on Sundays for years and years. They don't open on Sundays, a little strange. I mean, things are busy. I'm next door to a pharmacy. It gets pretty busy. I just think overall things are slower maybe because people are working from home and less people are working in actual offices and things. I don't know. I'm sort of an old-fashioned I'm an old-fashioned guy. I'm doing some new things this year for the tax season. Uh, This is a new year and a boy, it's been a wet winter so far. And winter's only, we're into it by maybe two or three weeks only now, but I'd say we've had more rain lately than in the last couple of years combined that I remember. So hopefully the drought will be over, but it's been a wet winter, but the new taxis, and I'm trying to get more modernized. I'm just kind of old-fashioned. When you do something for 32 years straight at the same location, you do sort of... I won't call it a rut. I mean, I'm doing a lot of work, but you just get into a groove where you do things similar. You don't want to change too much. I've had some personnel changes with my staff. So I'm changing and doing well, for instance, one good example is I'm not gonna be e- using the postal service to mail out what's called the organizers. I'm gonna be e my e- f- emailing those. My program's been offering it for years. I just never got around to it, but it'll save everyone money by my spending less on postage. There will be a group of clients that I really don't even email with. Some of the older generation doesn't use email like the young people do. I don't consider myself young, but since I've been working in the internet world for, I consider the internet like 1995. That's when things really started to me, Yahoo, eBay, things just started getting really big in, in around 95. So, I consider myself, I've been doing business using internet and email now for, well, I just say since 95. So that's 27 years. But a lot of people my age, I'm in my 60s, a lot of people my age really don't email. They don't really use a computer and uh, that's all well and good. But if you're in business these days, it's pretty mandatory to have internet and email and all of that. The thing about email is it does reduce the number of telephone messages, but it does make one more place I need to check every day. So, you know, it's just another place to look for somebody communicating with me, which is good and bad. The one thing I've noticed the last few months that's been kind of crazy to me and different than other years It seems like there's quite a few CPA offices locally that are either the owner is retiring or selling and moving or passing away. That happens too. Of course, that seems to happen more than it used to, but with ever since that thing, but we won't go into that right now. So I would say just about every day I get at least one message from a phone call asking if I take new clients. So, of course, I try to get back to everybody. It's hard for me to return all of them because, like I say, my office is going through a staffing switch and just uh, don't have as many hands around as I used to. But bottom line is, If somebody's referred by a real good client, I've grown my business by referrals. So as far as that, if somebody's referred by someone, that makes me lean towards really taking them on. But my main thing this year is things have gotten so complicated and as I've said before on Business Buzz, if you listen, you might know, there's no such thing as an easy return anymore. They even got rid of the easy form a few years back So nothing's easy anymore, and every time I do a business return or a return for a non-profit, I realize just how much work does go into it. So prices are going to have to go up, and I understand inflation's here, but it's true. Everything is very expensive. Uh, Minimum wage, even if you're just hiring somebody for uh, a real basic uh, work job, it's not it's not like you can really go low on the wage. So everything's very expensive. In fact, I've even got an article here I'm going to talk about in a little while about a lot of California laws that have changed that's going to make things even more expensive, which is unfortunate. But, well, let's dig in. It's a new year, a new tax season coming up. I appreciate the fact that you spend part of your busy afternoon with me, so thank you very much for listening. So, as I've said before, the one paper that I do subscribe to is the ER because it is local news that I like. But one article I noticed, and I have not been to this place yet, But it's a new restaurant. It started uh, back in the middle of June of 2022, and it's called Lily's Brazilian Bistro. And it's at 142 Broadway. They call it Broadway Street these days. I always just call it Broadway. Uh, And it says on this article it's open from 11 till 9, Monday through Saturday. And it sounds like her, the signature dish is fejoda, fejwada, which is a stew made with black beans and pork served over rice and topped with yucca flour. And the owner is named Lily Da Silva. So that sounds like an interesting place to maybe go in and see, see what that's all about. There's menu options for vegans. So I haven't heard of that many new restaurants since The Thing. I'm not even going to mention the name. It makes me sick to talk about it. So I'll just call it The Thing that started in 2020. There haven't been that many new restaurants in Chico since The Thing. But a lot of the older ones had reopened, which is good. But this is a whole new one since then. So that's exciting and hopefully they'll do well. I wish them well and I'll have to try. I don't, I don't eat out downtown too often. I do like to go downtown just to listen to music when, when they have live music. Uh, one of the places that shut its doors was La Salle's, which has been around a while and they always had quite a bit of live music. It's now closed. I guess the new place may be opening, I'm not certain. I haven't been down there lately to check that out. With the holidays, it's hard to it's hard to catch up. I've been busy traveling, all of those things. So that was a bit of local news. So a California news that I found at the Chico ER website is uh, called california workers get new protections in 2023 here's what you need to know i can't really go through everything on here this has got quite a bit of information but i'm going to skim through it and see what's new so the first thing i see here uh, okay Minimum wage is fifteen dollars and fifty cents now. So it was, I believe, it was fifteen last year. That's what I. I don't pay minimum wage. I usually go over that. Um, but it's fifteen fifty now, so that's a good thing. And it looks like eighteen uh, percent of the workforce. would be getting a raise due to the minimum wage. That's good and bad. It's good for the people earning that. It's bad that 20% of our workers are only making minimum wage, but then again, if they're young and they're starting, that's maybe not so bad. So the only two places with higher minimum wages are Washington State with $15.74 and Washington, D.C. at $16.10. And certain cities in California have a floor higher than the state, which Los Angeles raised it to $16.04 in July. Okay, so let me just kind of flip through here. These are kind of, some of these are kind of new to me. I'm not an attorney. Uh, I try to answer questions like this if clients ask me, but I don't always know them all. It says, pay equity. Can employers get away? I'll say the answer is probably no, the way the writer of this. I don't call people journalists anymore. Sorry. Especially ever since the thing. I can't call them journalists until proven otherwise. Uh, Can employers get away with paying women less than men? By paying Latino, Black, and Asian workers less than white? I'm assuming the answer is going to be no. And that, of course, would be correct that it shouldn't be. They shouldn't get away with that. Senate Bill 1162 makes that harder by requiring employees with 15 or more workers to reveal salary ranges to workers on job postings. Interesting. Well, I'm too old to expand my business to 15 or more, so I won't have to deal with that law. but. My clients with 15 or more need to know that. Hopefully they've been, they you know, they get letters from the state all the time. I always remind people, if you get a letter from the state, even though it looks generic, do read it because it could be something like this. And they will say later, "You were you were on notice. Of course, if you're an employer, you're pretty much on notice for any of these law changes. So you really need to kind of keep up with them because the ignorance of the law is never an excuse and basically the fact that these are all posted online everywhere they you are on notice as an employer to know these things so i'm not going to go into the details but i'm certain that's going to be good that's going to be a good law sounds good to me family leave uh Let me see, Uh, Senate Bill 951 extends the thing prompted increase for two years. So the, the, uh, the thing that happened in 2020 that made these things better for family leave things looks like they've been extended. Bereavement leave. Oh, that's a good idea. No person should fear losing their job by taking time to grieve the death of their loved one. So employers with five or more workers must allow them up to five days of unpaid, job-protected leave upon the death of a close family member, including spouse, child, parent, sibling, grandparent, grandchild, domestic partner, or parent-in-law. No federal law requires bereavement leave. Well, that's a nice thing. Of course, it's unpaid, so... It's not too costly, but of course, if you have employees you depend upon on a daily basis, then if they leave, even though they're unpaid, that could cause you trouble. But everybody needs to have some backups in place. And like me, you kind of fill in when you have to. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for listening to Business Buzz. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. People we call the unchurched often have a very different view than we have. Yeah, man, I believe there's a God and a higher spirit, whatever you want to call it. You can have faith in anything you want. There are many different views on God out there. So we want to be the station where people can tune in and find some real truth presented in a relevant, respectful way. Did you know that about a third of our audience doesn't even go to any church at all? Well, thanks to your financial support of our ministries, we're able to be here with a message for everyone. People who go to church and people who don't. Tell your friends about Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Glen County Transit Service asks that we take time to remember our troops overseas who can't be with their families as they stand to protect our country. Letters, cards, and care packages help to let them know that we're here and we care. Let's show our support through our prayers as we celebrate this upcoming holiday season. That's from the staff, operators, and families at Glen County Transit Service in Willows. Call 888-800-7433. That's 888-800-7433. For Glen County Transit Service, they're on the air because they care. Do you know there are many nations now that do not protect the right to life of innocent human beings? And that entire classes of human beings can now be killed. People who have not done anything wrong, but are simply seen as less than human. Human lives that need no longer continue. Listen Saturdays at 6 on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn CPA. On a nice January afternoon. It's been 2022 was interesting. I'd say better than 21. Uh we're almost 3 years past the start of the thing. And I'm glad the thing is starting to finally it's finally starting to be pretty much over. I mean in my opinion, it was over the day it started, but now it's over in people's a lot more people's minds. So the sooner that thing's over, the better. So I was just going over these California news of the workers' new laws, and uh, the next one's for farm workers. Uh, Assembly Bill 2183, makes it easier to unionize these low-wage workers. So it says more than 400,000 farm workers harvest 51 billion in crops yearly. Less than 2% belong to a union, far below the 16% level of the state's workforce. Well, I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't know this in my detail. I don't know this detail, but honestly, if I had to guess... The 16% of California workers who are union workforce, I would bet most of those are government and or education. And I'd say medical, education, and government, I would bet make up the majority of those union workers. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. I am surprised that only 2% of the farm workers belong. So basically, This thing just makes it easier for for farm workers to unionize without having a bunch of physical meetings and votes and a lot of uh, logistical issues of how and where they would do that. So it sounds like there's um, easier to do a ballot for these guys to vote. Of course, whenever you hear the word mail-in ballots, it, does, it should uh, perk your ears up a little bit. Based on the other thing that happened. But, so anyway, that sounds like another good law. These are all pretty common sense good laws. At least they got done. Fast food. Uh, for more than a decade, the Service Employees International Union. I used to do an audit of a service employee's union down in Oakland. Good old Oakland, California. Says, has sought to organize low-wage workers at McDonald's and other fast, fast foods in its fight for $15 and a union campaign. The effort helped boost California's minimum wage but except for a few Starbucks locations in recent months, the state's quick service eateries have not, they're not unionized, I guess. A new law would set a bold precedent with a 10 member fast food council to regulate wages, hours, and working conditions of any place with at least 100 outlets nationwide. The first of its kind body would include worker delegates, industry representatives, and state officials. Corporate giants have collected a million signatures for a 2024 overturn of the measure. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, I have mixed emotions about that. A lot of the people that get a job at uh, fast food are just young people that need their first job. It gives them experience gives them, uh, they learn how to discipline themselves to make it to work on time, to get their uniform straight, to, you know, cut their hair or whatever. I mean, I don't know what the rules are, but honestly, I'm not sure fast food work is on the same level as some of the other ones that need all this regulation, but workers are workers and everybody should be treated well. So I'll give these guys the benefit of the doubt. The issue now will be, I don't know how this is going to sound. The issue now is going to be who's, who's going to count the recall? (laughs) Will the machines start their work? Hmm. Will the things do their work? Will the Dominion things do their work? They have a job to do. What is the job of those machines? Hmm. I mean, I think I have a Radio Shack. I think I have a Radio Shack handheld calculator from 1971 that could do the computing of... Adding 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1. I don't believe I would need a modern AI internet connected machine to add up 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1. What do you think? Am I off track here? So the next article just happens to cross over. It's a crossover article to news from the ER and tax, taxes, tax preparation, because it's talking about the electric vehicle tax credit. Now, this thing started a while back because I've been doing these for some clients for the last few years. I just got to read, I honestly, I haven't read up on this. I'm right in the process of doing all my education for the 2022 tax year. Sometimes they pass a law right at the end of the year and it changes everything. But this year they didn't do a lot of late-minute laws. But this one I do have to read through. I'll I'll be reading this on my regular service that I get at work with all the details. But uh, to be eligible for the credit, a car must have a manufacturer's suggested retail price of fifty-five thousand or less, and a van, SUV, or pickup truck must have a retail price of 80,000 or less. Well, I'm sure some of them are not going to qualify based on the fact that I think they're pretty expensive. But maybe some of them are under 55 for the car version, I hope. I don't buy new cars, so I'm out of that loop. The last new vehicle I bought was in about 1994. And I remember back then it was very expensive. At the time it was 30 something thousand dollars. And I just don't buy new anymore. I buy a used with a warranty and I've had pretty good luck. Sometimes even without a warranty, if I get a good enough deal on a nice older used car with low mileage and I've had good luck. I'm not a car g- I mean, I'm really not a car guy. I don't know really how to fix them or work on them. I kind of rely on other people to help me. And I told you before, like my dad doing taxes when I was a kid, he always said, you know, pay people to do what they do. They'll pay you to do what you do and everybody will, everybody will make a living. And I always think about that when I see a friend spending half of his Saturday afternoon changing the oil in his car to save 20 or $30. It just depends on what you enjoy and how much your hour is worth to you. So there is still a credit for electric vehicles. And uh, I'll have to learn more about that, of course, as the tax season moves forward. But it sounds like there's some restrictions that the dealers aren't too happy about. It says here, additionally, customers have been canceling orders made months ago because the car they ordered now doesn't qualify for the rebate because it was not assembled in North America. Okay, so they're, what they're doing, I guess, is they're putting in all these new stipulations and it's messing people up that thought they had a credit from a car they bought previously. That's interesting. Well, thanks for listening. I appreciate you spending part of your day here. We're about halfway through today's business buzz. I hope I'm educating or at least entertaining a little bit. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned. I'll be right back with more business buzz. This message reaches a million people or more every week. Spreading the gospel is more than one voice speaking to a million. It is and must continue to be a million voices, each speaking to one, pointing them to our friend Jesus. The Lutheran Hour with Dr. Michael Ziegler. The Lutheran Hour, Saturday and Sunday at 1.30 here on KKXX. When was the Ice Age? This is Ken Ham, celebrating Christmas at the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. Yesterday, we learned that, yes, there was an ice age, but only one, not many, like secular scientists suggest. But when was this ice age? Well, it was caused by the effects of the global flood of Noah's day. This flood occurred around 4,300 years ago. So the ice age began relatively soon after that and lasted a few hundred years. Interestingly, Job, who lived around the time of Abraham, often mentions snow, ice, and hail throughout his book. But this isn't whether he would normally see where he lived. Perhaps Job was describing the Ice Age. When we start with the history recorded in God's Word, we can explain what we see in the world. Join us in northern Kentucky for our free Christmas events at the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. Plan your visit at AnswersRadio.com. That's AnswersRadio.com. America, bless God. Fellow Americans, your hearing this admonition establishes that you are one who cares for the America that has been so blessed by Almighty God. We implore you to embrace the laws of nature and of nature's God, to read and know the Constitution. Join with other moral and religious people and organizations to foster the blessings of liberty for ourselves and our posterity. America, bless God. Hi, and welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Appreciating the fact that you're spending part of your busy afternoon with me, I'm very happy about that. I wanted to discuss a topic that it's something that I've I've been listening to some real helpful people on. YouTube that really put this into a good summary. And I felt, I mean, I agree with this. I felt this way. I think it's worth passing on to you guys. If you're, if you're listening today, I appreciate you listening. And I think it's something everybody should really hear and think about. And the way this one particular person I listen to, the way he puts this, it really kind of makes more sense that way. So I felt like I kind of had a handle on it in order to share it with you. And I think you'll enjoy hearing it uh, this way. What the point of this is, and I've been doing some grocery shopping lately and going and noticing just how high the prices are. Now I also have noticed that if you shop at the right stores, you can definitely save some money. And there was a store I went to the other day that I bought the same thing. I had mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on Business Buzz even about this one pack of deli meat turkey that I really like. In fact, I just had one of those sandwiches for lunch today and it was really good. And it was $8 and 50 cents at a major supermarket, at a regular supermarket. And that was shocking. Now I did find that same thing with a good date, I'll add, uh, at the local Target store. I happened to be at Target and I just happened to go by the grocery section. I said, Oh, that's right. They have groceries. And so I looked and honestly, I found that exact thing that I paid $8.50 for at a major store for 5.50, dollars which is what it used to cost me at the major store. Well, that's still a little more than it used to cost me at the major store, but it's, I mean, that's like 40% less than what I paid at the major store. And I found that at Target. So I've made a mental note that next time, I Target does have things that other stores don't have. So I do go there maybe once a month. I'll stop into Target and grab some things that they don't sell elsewhere. And I do like Target. I think it's a nice, clean quality store. It never seems to take too long to check out as opposed to the other lower price store on the south side of town, which I won't be naming. Uh, that checkout can sometimes take forever, but Target doesn't take too long usually. They have things that other stores don't have that I really like. Certain uh, protein food that I eat a lot of protein. Uh, I try to eat low fat, I don't eat any sugar. I mean, there's sugar in some of the things I eat, but very, very little. I quit eating sugar, things with sugar, probably 30 years ago, and it was direct relation to the fact that I was sick of going to the dentist and having problems. And I just cut the sugar completely out of my diet. I know in the old days, that involved grabbing things that aren't good for you, like aspartame and saccharin and all those sweeteners that aren't really good for you. The thing is, these days, there's a thing called Stevia, which is a natural sweetener with zero calories, and it's very good. I use it on fruit, and I like it. How did I get off on this tangent? Okay, I was talking about the price of the food. And I was thinking about inflation because I've mentioned that on Business Buzz in the past, in the recent past. And the way this person and his name, if you want to listen to this guy, I really like him. He lives in Israel. His name's Rafi, R-A-F-I. His last name is Farber, F-A-R-B-E-R. And I listen to him a lot. And he comes out with one or two interviews a, a week. I really like him and he's funny too. He does some funny stuff on his, he's just a funny guy, but very polite and a nice guy. Wears a, a Yamolki, you know, those small hats that they wear. I i don't know how you call them head coverings, but I call them Yamolkis. I believe that's their name. And he's just a really nice guy, very smart. And his website is called The End Game Investor, but... So the main point of this is a different way to explain the inflation. And what he said was, I mean, he says a lot of things, but the point I'm trying to share with you is, this is theft. So the point of this whole thing is that paper money is a representation of something else. In other words, The paper itself, you know, is worthless. The ink is worthless. There's no gold inside the paper. There's no silver in the paper. So paper money, when it first came out, and I was reading about this a few weeks ago, I remember on Business Buzz, where they started in China back in like, I think the 1200s or something. But here's the way it works. Uh, Let's say you have... uh, the main thing is it represents something of value. And in the old days, it would a dollar bill would represent gold or silver. So here's the way that would work. The treasury of the United States, or, a, or before that, a bank, a bank would have, let's just say, 100 ounces of gold for simplicity. And so there, they would issue paper money And it was valued and people would assume it does have value. So they would, so you would do a job for someone and you would accept the paper money because it represents value of the gold held at the bank. Now the modern day, back in the fifties and sixties, the paper dollars were called silver certificates and they were essentially representations of the silver that was in a vault somewhere. Here's the problem. And this is why I've said this before paper money, the average life of a paper currency is 27 years. They all go to zero eventually. And here's the reason. The people who issue them, well, first of all, I would say they start out doing it honestly, but I would add that there's a chance none of them have ever been honest about this. But even if it did start out honestly, it's too tempting for these governments to overprint the money. So let's just say, let's just say, and this is the old prices, let's say gold is worth $20 an ounce. The bank has 1,000 ounces of gold in their vault. And so they can issue 20,000 paper dollars. And everybody knows that there is gold in the vault worth 20000 And you can accept a paper dollar knowing that it's basically exchangeable for one, uh, one twenty thousandth of what your bank is holding in the vault. So that is how the gold standard, whenever they talk about the Austrian School of Economics, you talk about the gold standard or gold. when you talk about a gold-backed currency, that's what it means. So at the start, it works really well. Everybody knows that they're trading these paper dollars for goods and services. In other words, you know, if you spend all day digging up, um, you know, a bushel of corn or a bushel of turnips and you sell it to someone, what they're going to give you, you want to make sure has value. I'm going to get back to this topic when I come back from this break. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be right back. Hello, this is Samantha Landy. And I bring you Psalms of Hope. Heard here on Life Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon. So do tune in and join me for beautiful music and an encouraging word from the Lord. Psalms of Hope with Samantha Landy. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon. Here on KKXX. Hi, I'm E.J. Williams. Each year, millions of animals are abandoned and more than a million are euthanized before they can be rescued. Organizations like American Humane are working to harness the healing power of the human-animal bond, as animals can be trained as life-saving service and therapy dogs to help veterans, the elderly, and children with special needs to overcome the obstacles of everyday life. To find out how you can help give animals and the people they help a new leash on life, please visit AmericanHumane.org. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games, but I hope he does. I hoped he'd get help. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn Hope into action. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for spending part of your busy afternoon with me. We're in a new year. Let's make it a good one. I was discussing theft and it's very important that you understand how inflation is theft. So of just explaining how we have a bank with a thousand ounces of gold in their vault and they issue $20,001 bills in this little community and everyone has faith in that dollar bill. So when you go out and spend a hard day working under the sun and digging up these turnips and you sell it to someone for a dollar, you need to know that what they hand you has value. Now, just thinking about this, now you can see why the IRS hates bartering, how it hates people who barter, because they love numbers and quantifiable things. So, but I don't want to digress. So you spent a hard day digging up a bushel of turnips, but you sell it for a dollar because that dollar represents a real dollar. The gold is there. So here's the problem, you're going about your business, but the bank, the bank decides, the banker decides that he's got a friend who needs to borrow an extra 10,000. And so the banker, without depositing any new gold in his vault, has another 10,001 dollar bills printed. That's exactly what our Federal Reserve, which is neither federal nor has any reserves. In fact, now they have a negative net worth. They're bankrupt. And I talked about that a couple weeks ago. That's what our government has been doing since 1971 when we removed the dollar from any sort of gold connection. This is why paper currencies only last an average of 27 years. This one we're using has been 52 years now, 51 and a half. This is how inflation is stealing from you, the hardworking regular guy. They print and print and print. They just passed that omnibus bill for another 1.7 trillion of spending. They handed out trillions during the thing two and a half years ago. It's absolutely nuts. So when you realize that your dollar doesn't buy what your dollar used to buy. And what's really fascinating is to take a look at, I like antique stuff, and take a look at an old menu from a, like, look up an old menu from a fancy hotel, like in the 1920s. I did this because when I got married, I was fortunate enough to be able to have my wedding reception at the Claremont Hotel in Berkeley, which is actually it borders Oakland and Berkeley. It's kind of interesting. But it was the nicest place near where I needed to have my wedding because of where we were living and where I worked and my parents worked, and uh, that was Oakland. So I've looked up the Claremont just to read about it. And I found a menu of a Claremont dinner, like a Christmas dinner or Easter dinner, something like that from like 1923. And it's unbelievable. I don't have it in front of me. I can't remember, but I'm thinking like a steak dinner is like $2. Uh, you know, a bottle of wine is $2. It's just, it, it's unbelievable. So, So that dollar has been devalued to such an extent. And it's all, and you know, people make, they make you want to think, like listening to the news or mainstream news, forget it. They don't really get into anything, but they do want to make you think that this is so complicated you just can't understand it. What I'm trying to say is it's not that complicated when you understand what their system is and how it has absolutely made a disaster of our economy. It's basically stolen everything. I've said it before on Business Buzz. This country has all the resources. It's got the smartest people. It allows the immigrants that come in. anybody's open to come in and become a citizen. We have the unlimited power to do anything. I mean, just look at what the United States did in the 1800s with the way it expanded West and started all the factories and made everything and employed everybody. I mean, of course, there's always bad apples. There's bad treatment of employees. Uh, We see that these new laws are gonna help that. That's been progressing positively for 100 years. I'm not saying things were great back then, but what I'm saying is that we have the resources and the manpower and the brainpower to make anything happen. But look what's happened instead. We're broke. We're 32 trillion in debt it'll never be paid back uh, with the interest rates going up the bonds that everybody thought were very safe are worth a lot less than they were uh, than they were paid for even if you get your money if you own a bond if you own a $100,000 treasury bond yeah you'll get your $100,000 back but the problem is with this inflation I'm talking about it's not really worth $100,000 10 years from now or five years from now. Now, the point I'm trying to make, I don't want to get off track, which I always do because I ramble and that's the way my brain works. I apologize. I don't have anybody here to keep me in check today. I'm all by myself. What I'm saying is inflation is theft and the definition of inflation is not the prices going up. That's the result of inflation. The definition of inflation is the increase in the money supply. And I will add that it would be the increase in the money supply without a corresponding increase of anything of value behind that money or what the money represents. So what Mr. Farber talks about is a dollar paper money is just a representation of money. It's a substitute for money. Money is gold and silver. Everything else is a substitute for money. And money is gold and silver. So if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Money is a substitute for gold and silver. So here's the problem. This inflation, which is not the high prices now, that high prices now, I, like I said, are the result of inflation. The inflation is the printing. And if the printing resulted in the rich guys and their friends getting all the assets, like the hundred million dollar homes on the ocean, and uh, the stock ownership of all the mining companies, uh, the ownership of all the factories, the ownership of all the farms, that is the theft and the theft has been going on for seriously it's been going on for 109 years since that famous 1913 that i've brought up before the same year as a year after the titanic sunk the year of the income tax law and the year of the federal reserve act ever since then the price of gold's gone from, twenty, I believe, $20 to, and that was an artificial $20, to now it's close to $2,000. So just round numbers, just say 80 or 90 to one. So the value of a dollar, thanks to their money printing and their stealing, it's theft, thanks to their theft, your dollar's worth very, very little. And the real sad part is Everything you see on the news tells you to just stick with the stock market. Don't look here. Look over here. Don't look over here. Don't look at gold, silver. Don't look at mining stocks. Just look at what we want you to look at. And so that's just my point. And I don't want to belabor this, but I really encourage you to read, to listen to a man named Rafi Farber. He's on YouTube. He does interviews with other YouTubers. He's very, very intelligent. And he's also, like I say, pretty entertaining and kind of funny in sort of a deadpan kind of way. But he really has a good way of making this point. And I think it's very important that you don't get sucked into the idea that this is too complicated for you to understand. Now, the other part of this this offshoot is, like I said, since 1971, gold is not involved in our money. So what is in back of our money? And they always say, oh, the full faith and credit of the United States government. But think about this. What's really backing it up is the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is the one issuing this debt that becomes the paper in your wallet. So what do they own? And I explained this uh or three weeks ago on Business Buzz, the bonds that they hold and they buy, and that's a whole another issue that we've talked about on Business Buzz, the bonds that they hold are now worth much, much less than their value, than their cost, because interest rates have risen. The Federal Reserve's balance sheet is now negative. They are ba- they're technically bankrupt. Like if you looked at your household uh, money in the bank versus bills you owe, if that number, if the bills are higher than the money in the bank, you're bankrupt or you're negative net worth, you're bankrupt. You owe more than you have. Well, the Federal Reserve is now bankrupt. They owe more than they have because if they mark the true value of what they hold, it would be less than what see they get to these banks get to list these things at the face value. So if a bank bought a bond ten years ago for a hundred thousand dollars, but now with the interest rates rising, that old bond is now only worth eighty thousand dollars. They're allowed to leave it on their books as a hundred thousand because they say, well, we're gonna get a hundred thousand when it matures. We've been through all this multiple times here. So if you see my point, banks, all the big banks and the Federal Reserve, which is just a conglomerate of the big banks, they're all bankrupt. So your dollars in your wallet are a representation. They're a substitute for the money behind it. Now, in the old old bank we talked about originally that had the gold in their vault, The money was good as, that's where the expression as good as gold comes from. It represented the gold that was there. But then when they started printing more paper money, they diluted the value of each paper dollar. And that's what's been happening to us. And especially uh, in the last, just the last 10 years, they've added another 10, 15 trillion to the debt. What my point is is that it's all a big uh, smoke and mirrors shell game, and the dollars are worthless. Now as long as you can keep buying things with them, they're OK. But when you see a bre- uh, when you see a carton of eggs at six or seven dollars at the grocery store, you can see that that dollar is worth less than it used to be. So my main point is, is that inflation is theft. Don't think of it as anything else. Don't think, of it as, don't think of it as unintentional consequence of some magical, complicated thing that nobody could have known. It's been purposely done for hundreds of years and it's still going on. And uh, we have been stolen from. There's no reason why this country should be broke. And on that positive note, uh, thanks for listening to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. I'll see you next. I'll talk with you next time on Business Buzz.